welcome back listeners one and all to HTO Football. As ever, your two co-hosts this evening are Andrew and myself, Tom. We are, though, joined by two others today. We've got James Dowden helping us fire some questions at our guests. James joining us as a student from Bristol, getting a bit of experience on the pod. We are, though, delighted to be welcomed by our second guest, who's in for his second appearance on the pod. That's right, we're talking about sports film creator, showrunner and editor extraordinaire, Mr Richard Kirk. Before we hear from both our guests, Andrew, how are you? Are you well? Are you looking forward to this episode? It's another good one, isn't it? Amidst our HTO film series. Yeah, yeah. As the as the darkness descends outside uh, the, uh, the the climax to our HTO film series, sport on film, and a lovely way to end with an old friend of the pod. So, um, yeah, looking forward to this one, Tom. Fantastic, um, James. Are you well? Welcome to. Yeah, I, I'm doing really well, thank you. Um, uh, looking forward to this evening, and uh, thank you for having me on. Not at all. Not at all. So, Richard, how are you? Are you well? Are you busy? Yes, very busy. We're making another series at the moment i'm in italy this time so a bit a uh, bit different from the northeast of england um and we are we oh gosh how far are we through we're about 18 months into the project and we should have it delivered by the end of the year so um yeah it's a, it's a long old project this one but that's something we're really excited about how long have you been over there what's it been like with everything um, over in italy <laughs> It's uh, how long have you got? Where do I start? I mean, we, I mean, I, I joined the project in November tw- uh, 2019, and then we were all set to get underway. Um, you know, we, we, we had to leave Italy, I think. Um, we actually, we, we were back in London, but we were due to come back to Italy literally sort of a couple of days before. Um, lockdown started really so uh, fortunately um, the broadcaster which is another streaming platform uh, stuck with us so we we kind of trundled on over the course of the summer and then started filming again or we started filming for for real at the end of August so we are we are following a a full uh, Serie A season over here. Right. Okay. So that's that's Richard right now. Currently, if we can swing it back all the way to the beginning, Richard, this is a question we like to ask a lot of our producer guests. Um, where did it start for you in terms of film creation, that type of thing? Was it was it that and then sport afterwards, or was it the other way around? Yeah. Interestingly, I I, I mean I love sport, but I never ever thought I would make sports documentaries or, or programs about sport because there was never really the budget or the scope. Um, the, the BBC were really the only channel that were, were making anything in terms of sports documentaries and, and even their output is quite small and their budgets are quite small. Um, so it's only really the, with the advent of the, the streaming platforms, um, Netflix, Amazon, and to a lesser extent, Apple, although I think they will probably start to get into this territory. Disney, possibly. Um, I wouldn't mm-hmm. rule anything out because their remit's very broad. Um, that they have the you know the kind of budgets. I mean, the budget for something like this because it's it's one of the world's biggest teams. I can't tell you who, unfortunately, in the moment. Um, you know, the the budgets are um, they're like you know sort of feature feature type type budgets. So they're um, uh, you know very well um, funded. For me, it started. I actually wanted to be John Simpson when I was sort of sixteen years old. I wanted to be a, a journalist. I wanted to be a, 
a foreign correspondent. I wanted to go to places that you couldn't go however much money you had, you know, um, whether mm. that was war zones or it's, TV offers you the, the opportunity to go to some extraordinary places. But actually through, through doing quite a lot of work experience on local newspapers and local radio, it didn't seem to me quite as exciting as I had imagined it. You, you, in journalism, there is a, there is a very sort of long um, career path. So you have to be incredibly dedicated. Um, and at the time I was, I was, I had work experience at Pebble Mill in Birmingham, um, which is the old BBC building. And they were making shows like Top Gear um, and, and a, a load of other sort of um, the clothes show. And I was kind of wowed by, by that side. You didn't have to wear a suit for a start. You know, you could, you could wear whatever you liked. The, the hours were a bit more flexible. And so, um, I, I mean, I just, I, I sort of just started working on all, all kinds of programs. And, um, and you need to get that grounding because TV is such a broad industry. You need to sort of understand whether you want to work in, in drama, in documentaries, in current affairs, in factual entertainment, cookery shows. Um, and because it's so broad, you know, your, your interest often will kind of guide you into the area that you want to go. But as I said, with me and sport, there weren't really the opportunities to work in, in this kind of area until uh, streaming platforms came about. Mm, it's definitely, definitely an industry now, though, where opportunities are plenty. Um, it's a booming, booming industry at the moment, isn't it? And I think that what's what I really wanted to ask you, which is that as, as time's gone on, as the industry has flourished over the years and decades, do you feel like the quality of the content has improved or do you think it's just because the opportunities to actually grab these stories and broadcast them are there? I mean, I think it's inevitable that the, that the quality improves. We're, you know, we, we are always striving to... Uh, you know to make better shows so, so in this in this instance you know they they the channel the the, the organization in this case the club will look at previous documents they'll look at man city they'll look at tottenham and they'll say well we want this to be better we want you to keep raising raising the bar so and i think we we learn uh, more and more as we go i mean personally i don't like to watch too many of the other shows because i think you can get um, a little bit drawn into what 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 they've done, mm -hmm. um, and in terms of originality, you always want to try and try and keep that fresh. Mm. We had Ben, ben and Gabe turn off on a couple of weeks back on the previous episode to this, and uh, they were talking about the they feel that the kind of episodic format is just really hot at the moment. You know, people are like that kind of Netflix style. You can over a story drawn out over a long period of time yeah. instead of maybe something like a feature film. Um, is that something you're in agreement with? Oh, completely, because you can really explore characters, um, you know, to, to follow the story of, of a football season in two hours is a, is, a, is, a very, is a very difficult challenge. And you, I think what happens is you, you, you sort of naturally end up following the story of the season. Yes, the story of the season is your, your overlying narrative arc, but there's so much more that goes um, goes into it so you know you're looking at the the manager of the team the key players you know when when we look to make this type of documentary we don't want to just make it about the team this is about the organization so actually in a way it could it's it could be a business documentary if you like because it, it's a it's a business it just happens that the the the, the subject matter is is football so we look at we have a we have a shoot team um, with the players and the manager and the coaching staff we have a separate team with the administrative side, but then we also have another team 
with the fans, with uh, a journalist and either podcasts or, or radio shows. So it sort of gives you a full kind of 360 of, of, of the club. Mm. I have to say it's been very interesting trying to follow the administrative side and the fans this time around because it's we're in such strange times. Mm. And um, I don't know if you've had the opportunity to go to a game yet without anybody in, in the stadium. It is the strangest experience. I mean, the first, I mean, uh, so that the home game here and then an away game in, um, you know, a huge city here. And, you know, it's an 80,000 seater stadium and you can hear people's phones going off and, uh, and, yeah, and everything sure. that, that the players say and everything that's coming from the touchline. It's, it, it's, it's, it's sad, really. It's, uh, you know, we can't wait for fans to get back into the stadium. Yeah, there's almost a documentary about to be made for being a fan during the last couple of years, isn't there as well? You know, the story of a football fan in 2020. Um, we, well, yes, but it's hard because you can't really get into people's houses anymore because of the, the various protocols. And, and you're filming with people with masks on all the time. You know, I mean, Tottenham had it because, because the coronavirus hit at the end of their series. Um, Full Well made another show um, with a women's football team and their season just ended. So but very, you know, the, the challenges are, are, are huge for us in terms of, you know, if we look back to, say, Sunderland, the, you know, the, 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 the beauty of it was, I mean, so much about the fans. If you go back and watch, watch those episodes, the fans are, are so central to it, the passion, the, the noise that they create, the, the emotions. And you realise what you're missing when you don't have that. And so it's a, it's a massive hole for us to fill. And I, I don't think we've quite solved that problem yet. Absolutely. I, I wanted to ask you one, and that's sort of a really prime example of, of something unexpected. One thing that came up in our discussion last um, last couple of weeks ago was also the the difference as a as a creator of films, or it'd be interesting to get your perspectives of, about something that's still a living, breathing documentary, i.e., something ongoing like a season, um, like in, in progress, um, versus a retrospective look. So you know, at something that's happened and it's finished, and and. Do you, the challenges that brings, um, do you try, have to try and detach yourself from a, uh, a finished product? Because obviously you, you don't really know where the season's going to go when you're following a football club versus a story that's been told. Andrew and I have been really lucky this um, film series on HTO. We've, we've had a couple of um, film documentaries to look at stories told so we had the turners on to look at sort of class of 92 you had catch soho on to look at um sort of the two tribes live everton in the 80s and liverpool as a city and two clubs as a thriving but a city struggling versus a couple of really live beasts you know something you know like uh, we had you know, we looked at the notorious uh, conor mcgregor journey over the last four or five years and, and you know gavin there was just saying we had no clue where conor's cross story was going to go and it wasn't going to launch into the superstardom and similarly we have no clue where a football season is going to go at the beginning of it um and what does what does that look like and feel like and the differences between the two be really interesting i i guess my my role is to is to, is to make a certain number of hypotheses yes it's, I, I think you you look at how a season uh, could potentially go, but I mean, ultimately, you, you're only making a, a guess, and that, that, in a way, is is the beauty of making documentaries. But it's also the, the terrifying aspect of it, you know, because um, if a team loses, um, then that's actually very good drama, as we proved the Sunderland. But if a team's winning all the time, then that's pretty boring, and and that's actually a way of getting a lot of rival fans. Uh, alienated from from the show 
So I think what you, what you have to do is, is look at and think about what's going to happen off the pitch because you can control that a bit more. You can't control what's going on the pitch. So look, look around. And for me, it's about, um, it's about the characters. So, you know, in our case, the manager in particular is, is of huge interest to us. Um, and we have, the, there are a number of senior players who are icons, um, you know, some of the best players ever to play the game. So uh, we actually starting, starting the point, um, one or two of the players had a good natural art, whether that was they were starting the season with injury and we followed their, their rehab through to the reintegration into the team. Um, others, you couldn't be quite sure what their arc is, but you, you eventually work it out and, and you find a way and, and it becomes apparent. So um, a- actually, the, I don't like to say the word formula, but the, there, is a, there is a way of making these shows. I think we, we've done them for a little while now. So I think we're, we're a bit wiser to what can possibly happen. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's always there's always something that happens that you've never encountered before. <laughs> that's, mm. that, that's just TV. You think however long you've, you've been working in the industry, you've seen everything. Um, there's always something new, but, but it means that we're always learning and we're always, we're always growing. And I think uh, it's a, it's a wonderful, I, I tried to engender a, uh, you know, an atmosphere of, of collaboration and, and, and creativity so that we're all, we're all working together and, you know, the, the team will, um, will expand and contract and change and people's roles will change over the course of a project because you know we, we are there for you know for, for sort of nine months of the season so it's a long old time in tv and tv land what what's your what's your dream gig um gabe was banging on about i'd love to do the tiger, uh, tiger woods documentary um you know what what's your dream gig? is the way if you know what would what show would you love to create and put together well Apart from apart from doing one of these at Aston Villa, yeah, I was going to well, say this apart, this season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, one that people would want to watch, Richard. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you really want to start jostling with me now? Look, I mean, everyone would want to watch an Arsenal one right now because it's just so much turmoil up <laughs> and down. Arsenal, like, Arsenal till I die. <laughs> you can't have Villa. You can't have Villa. They're winning every week. You, you know, like you said, that would be boring. They're just the success would be too much for everyone. You have Arsenal TV, which I, I follow on social media. I mean, I, lo- I, I just adore Arsenal TV. I think it's one of the greatest, the greatest things. <laughs> um, we don't, most Arsenal fans, but yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm sure it's a huge embarrassment to you, but I think for those of us who, are, who don't support Arsenal, it's, 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 it's very, very funny. Um, so, I mean, actually, my, my dream documentary at the moment, uh, I want to, uh, I want to make a, uh, a feature film with Paul Smith, the designer, uh, about um, uh, about 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 design, but also I think about aesthetics. That that for me would be would be, be particularly interesting because he's not just interested in design. I know it's not sports, and it's probably not the answer you were <laughs> you no, were hoping no, for, for and expecting. But yeah, nice one. Um, that that for me would be a dream because he's a he's an icon, and I think that, that the time's right to do something uh, amazing with with such a visionary as, as he is. Is that is that one of the, that's obviously one of your 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 passions, uh, Richard? That seeps through the the Sun until I die documentary. I feel as well. It's is there are there certain Gabe and Ben were, were almost saying you, you, as a as a film producer slash documentary maker, you don't want your creation to look like a Richard piece. If that makes sense, it should just speak for itself. Do you, do you think that, or is there or are there, are there certain things that you want to impose on? You want to impose on something yourself. Yeah, I, I, 
I mean, Ben and Gabe are interesting because they, they have a more of a film background than I do, I think. And so they probably buy, I mean, I, I wouldn't say um, that I have a, a look or, or a style necessarily. I think, um, I think you just take each project on its merits and your starting point is very rarely what your end point is anyway. And, and actually with a project of this size, there can be quite a number of people who, who get involved um, along the way. So it, it's a it's a process really but it's uh i mean it's a it's an exciting one for sure you mentioned at the beginning about your sort of journalistic interests growing up um, mm. you were familiar with uh, icarus the expose film yeah yeah is that are you is that something that you really enjoy sort of watching as well just as a fan with with, with your kind of journalistic passion as well yes i mean well i mean th th those films often don't start quite the way that they end uh, and, and, and that I think is the beauty of any type of filmmaking is, is the unpredictability of, of it all. And you don't know, you know, there are films that can be made over 10, 15, 20 years in duration and, and they're re real passion projects of people. Um, and so, yeah, yeah I, 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 think, I think that's very true is, you know, there, there can be all sorts of opportunities, I guess, and um, but to, to be able to make something that you're passionate about and that you love, I mean, that's that's the dream, right? <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Yeah. So we've got James. James is going to crack on with his. Uh, yeah. Putting, about putting... Jour journalist angles. Journalist angles. I think James is going to fire some questions at you. Um, James joining us as a student at Bristol. G good evening, Richard. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Um, you mentioned earlier uh, kind of the length of process that a documentary series such as Sunderland Till I Die takes. Um, can you take us through that process from start to finish? And is that time period that it takes always set or does it vary depending on the club or the season that you might be following, for example? Yeah, well, I think I think once the once the I won't sort of take you through the, the commissioning process because that's something that I don't tend to get involved with. And that, that can be a sort of long and quite drawn out process but generally once the channel gives the green light um at that point then you'll you'll put a team together um the, the budgets will be fixed um we'll we'll have a sort of plan of which which cameras what, what kind of equipment we're going to use um you know decide whether we're going to all move to location um, and how that's how that's going to work then really the the first part of the process is, is to get embedded within the club and to become like them, to become effectively like one of the team. That, that's, that's really important. And it does, you know, it takes time to gain trust. Um, you know, you're asking about the duration. Yes, if we're going to do the, 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 you know, the story of the season. So let's, let's say normal times, the season begins in August. So you'd ideally want to be at the club by the back end of July your film through to, to the end of the season and then it takes a further it can be anything between sort of three to five or six months to finish off the editing process but the editing process with something like this because you generate so much material so many rushes um, you generally start to have the editing process I mean we started the editing in this in November so the edit will sort of run alongside because if you think about we've got three shoot teams um, shooting on a daily basis We've got a fixed rig inside the dressing room. It's a big thing for, for this series. We have got access, access to the dressing room, um, which was a, a, a prerequisite for this, um, which we so didn't have in Sunderland. 
Um, so we've got the, the multiple fixed rig cameras in the dressing room. We've got fixed rig cameras in the training ground. Although unlike Tottenham, we're much less reliant on, on, on the fixed rigs. Um, so you can, see, you can start to see that on a daily and a weekly basis, we're generating a huge amount of, of material. So once we start to become embedded uh, with the players, we can start to get um, a better level of access with them, start to understand what makes them tick, uh, understand their relationships with each other, who the, you know, the relationships are, and start to follow their story. And, um, and, and, and that, will, that will obviously run on until, um, until the end of the season. And then we'll, we'll finish off the, the editing process. So that, that's, that's as, as succinctly as I can put how we would put a production together. So obviously a very long process encompassing many kind of technical hours of filming. And then for you, how do you footage down into a, a more concise and viewer experience, shall we say, um, during the editing process? Well, I think the important thing is to try to keep it simple. Uh, you, you, you know, you have multiple characters and you can't tell everybody's story. So, you, you know, it, it's imperative that viewers watch the show and like the people who are on it. You know, there are so many programs around that, you know, people can give, give you, 30, you know, 30 seconds, 20, you know, 15 minutes and they could switch off and, and find something else to watch. So we have to grab people right from the start. We have to... Uh, show likable characters. We have to sh show story arcs uh, coming out right from the start. And and as I said, if we try, if we can keep it as simple as possible, um, yeah. Because I always think that you know you need to be able to appeal to people who don't necessarily watch football and people who are watching this in in countries where football isn't you know isn't one of their big sports. I, and that's the other thing I think to to bear in mind when you make a show for a streaming platform, you know unlike say, uh, you know, a network uh, channel in, in the UK, you know, you're, you're making it not just for a much larger audience, but you're also making it for, for a much more diverse audience. So those are probably the key things to bear in mind. And then were there any challenges that you didn't anticipate when filming with professional teams and players? Every day, there's something new. It's, it's very, very difficult because um, you know, you, well, you are outsiders and it's a, it is a very sort of small world within, uh, within the football community. And, um, you know, you have to remember that, that footballers have, have grown up in, in dressing rooms and, um, you know, we're, we're interlopers really in, in their space. I mean, I think you think you have to think about it in terms of, you know, in your daily life, would you fancy having a TV crew follow you around, <laughs> you know? It's not, it's not everybody is comfortable with that and you have to respect that, but you have to find a way to make, um, make everybody comfortable and, and engage within the series as much as you possibly can. So, I mean, there are, there are, there are all sorts of challenges. I think that the biggest challenge for us is that when, when a team loses, they, they take it really badly and it's, it, they can sometimes, you know, shut down. And, and again, it's, it's natural that, they probably don't. The last thing they want to do is talk to a documentary crew saying, "Oh, well, how do you feel about, you know, losing that match?" So, you know, but it's important that you you get the ups and the downs. You know, that's what that's what sport is all about. I mean, we as fans, you know, we hate it when our team loses and we feel bad for you know can can be days on end. 
and you know footballers feel it you know just as bad if if not worse so yeah n- navigating the the ups and the downs is is incredibly difficult and then you mentioned uh, your current project in Italy, um, but flipping that on its head, perhaps, uh, would there be any um, past seasons or clubs or teams um, from a more historic avenue uh, that you would have liked to have shot a documentary for? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I, I presume I can't use Aston Villa as an example, can I? Um, if, you, if you so wish. And you can. Yeah, you can. Uh, can I, I'd like to be a bit more original than that, I think. I mean, oh, I'm, not up, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily sucking up here, but I think the Invincible season would have been pretty incredible. The, uh, uh, the Preston North End one. The Preston North End. <laughs> in the From what was that, 18... Something? 1892. 18, um, uh, I mean, I mean you know, any time when I think uh, a relegation is unexpected, I mean, the, the lead season when they dropped out, of the Premier League, you know, under Ridsdale, when you know they'd been, they'd got to the the semi final of the of the Champions League. Because there, are, I think there are just moments when everything fall, completely falls apart, or possibly the season when Brian Clough's last season in charge at Forest. That might be interesting. Leicester as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Leicester, Leicester under under Ranieri. I think you're always looking for something that sort of feels extraordinary, but but also. Um, well, I think what I'd also say is that you know we have to maintain originality because, <clears throat> excuse me, there there are there's, there's a lot of there are a lot of these type of documentaries around now, and I think I think channels need to be increasingly discerning about their choices, um, and not not just necessarily think oh well this is the biggest team in Spain or this is the biggest team in Germany or you know whatever, and I think try to think about what the what the story might be and what what it's actually giving giving us because if we have too many uh, documentaries that don't really engage with people, then, then people will, will start to switch off. Um, I mean, but TV has a cycle anyway, you know, there are, there are trends with TV. It happens that at the moment, this type of documentary is, is very popular. There are the budgets to be able to make these kind of shows, but you know, I'm not sure how long it will, it will last. (laughs) Was there anything that you learned from working on the Sunderland uh, documentary series that you've taken into your current work in terms of challenges and your approach to working with a football club, maybe? Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I think you're, you're learning all the time. I think that the biggest, the biggest thing that I took from from Sunderland was the structure of the team to be able to, you know, you, you've got you've got constant challenges. So if if you know, in this case, you know, the the teams playing Coppa Italia matches, they've got the Champions League next week. You know, they could be playing two, three games in a week. Um, you, you know, you, you you need a huge amount of resources to be able to cover everything. You've got to roast people so that, uh, you know, you, you're, you're able to cover the matches, but you're also able to cover the training sessions, the stuff behind the scenes, you know, players who were injured. You know, I'm very interested in things like, um, you know, player recovery and nutrition and all, all, all these sort of elements that make an elite club sort of mm. stand out amongst the rest, you know, looking at those sort of fine details and going, you know, okay, that's really interesting. I never, I never knew that, you know, because I think we the machine watch, of the club. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we watch so much football that we, we probably think that we're, we're very knowledgeable about, about the game and about how things run. But actually I think 
when you're inside the football club, you realise you don't know. <laughs> you don't know. So there are still, I mean, it's, a, it's a, also, it's a constant battle because, you know, the big clubs have got huge social media outputs now and they're generating a huge amount of material. So we have to be very careful that what part of the pie is left, what part of the, the pie that, you know, nobody else has seen before, uh, we, we, can, we can maintain that. So, so it's, it's difficult. But I mean, I, I think the other thing is that you just have to be, become part of, of the club. Just be nice to people, be, be friendly, be respectful. I think un- understand the, the way that the, the club works and how it operates because however hard you try, you're not, you're not going to change their processes. <laughs> you've, alluded it, you've alluded to it earlier, but do you feel that club-focused documentaries are likely to become more prevalent uh, going forward? And do you think that clubs in the future will start producing them themselves or do you think they will tend to remain in an external production bubble? I think I think there's probably I think probably both. I know Fleetwood made their own series with Joey Barton, but I'm not sure. Quite I, I don't know. That, you, I can imagine. You you might be able to tell me, but um, you know because they've got amazing access and they got all of the dressing room stuff. But is Fleetwood a team that you can sell? I, so I'm not sure whether they ever managed to sell it. Leeds was effectively made in house because you know the, the chairman got his production company to do it and then sold it onto Amazon, but. Um, it's very difficult to make shows that way because you just don't have the budget. You need the backing of a streamer from the start because you just need a, a you know a large amount of resources. And I think I think the I think the genre will continue to grow because there is a there is a thirst for it. I mean, who wouldn't want to watch their team or or a, a big global team um, across across the season? And finally, from. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I was, yeah, Jane, I was going to jump in on that point and say actually that how it evolves will be really interesting for me because I think the, the viewer will demand ever, ever closer to their club, the all access that um, yourself, Richard, and, and, and the lucky few to create these fantastic shows get these days. We'll just want more and more of it. And I think, you know, Arsene Wenger once said that one day fans will be able to pick the fourth substitution on social media or something ridiculous like that. But you do wonder whether soon players will wear tiny little cameras or microphones in games so to be, to be able to hear and see it from their viewpoints to, to, to feel, put that through because I think it'll become so much more about the return on experience that you get from following your club um, than, than ever before and I think that'll be really interesting to see how the sort of the genre evolves. Well it, it, interestingly I did I did try or I did look at investigating having referees wearing a little camera because I know they do that in rugby because yeah. we you know or at least to try and get the audio of what was going on you know during the match um, again, because I mean, we're fortunate on this series that the coach is, is mic'd up during the games, but you know, you, you need that. You need to know what people are saying. You need to, you know, get a sense of what, of what's going on. So, I mean, I wouldn't rule anything out. I mean, the, the technology now is, yeah. is developing at such a pace. Uh, it'd be really interesting to see where it goes. And then finally from me, um, do you think that football lends itself especially well um, to this type of documentary series? Or do you think that other sports as well um, can lend themselves to it? Any sport. I mean, any, this is really what it comes down to is storytelling at the end of the day. We're storytellers. And, um, and, and that's, that, that's the, the skill or the failure of us, you know, being able to, to create a story. Um, you were asking actually about which show I'd, I'd like to make. I, I know that they are now making a, a documentary with the Toronto Maple Leafs in Canada. And I always thought if you want sheer passion oh, nice. 
I, hockey, I was going to say ice hockey, you can't say that, Canadian, so we're Canadian. Hockey in Canada would be amazing. Nice. But unfortunately, they've chosen a Canadian company to yeah, make a documentary about Canadian hockey team, which uh, to me seems strange. Why wouldn't they choose an English company to do that? Like yeah. us. <laughs> great one. Yeah. 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 Great, great one. Gretzky, something like that with you. Well, because, yeah. you know, if you think about passions, you know, I, I was always very interested in people who um, were interested in, in, in kind of minority sports like uh, um, tractor racing or lawnmower racing. I always thought, why would people do that? Well, there, there must be some really fascinating characters who mm. give, up, give up their all of their spare time to go and do something in front of one man and his dog or spend all their money and their, you know, their partners must be completely fed up with their obsession <laughs> all of that sort of fascinates me so but all it comes down to really is human nature and storytelling at the end of the day well i think you're right because you know look at look at the biggest show on netflix in the last two years now um the queen's gambit and i know, and I know it's not a documentary it's obviously a drama but but nonetheless like that's chess and the reality is if you yeah. walk up to the average person in the street and say do you like chess do you love chess you know not many are going to say, I love chess. Like they might say, I don't mind a game of chess, but do, they do they love chess. And yet that's gripped so many millions and millions of people. And it's been a fantastic show because like you said, it's storytelling and actually sport, and let's loosely use the word sport, their games or anything like that. People, people, they do grip people. Um, and actually, you know, there's, there's so many facets to that, to be, you know, being a short performer, whether that be on a chessboard or on a football pitch or wherever it may be, all the stories behind it um, in drama form or documentary form, they grip people. So We are coming we are coming to the, the end of our of our film series story on HTO. And uh, just we're not finished just yet, though, um, because this is the problem when you invite another guest back for a second cap is that you can't catch them out with the counterattack anymore. Um, yeah. But we are going to do we are going to do a second round of it, Richard. So Tom's going to kick us off with some quick fire questions for you. OK, yeah, sure. Um, favorite director doesn't have to be sports. Doesn't have to be. Ken Burns. First sports documentary that you loved. Uh, probably the QPR one. Nice. Favourite non-sports film? So just your favourite movie to sit down and watch. You asked me this before. Is it going to be a documentary? No, it's a favourite film. Favourite, like, you know, favourite blockbuster, favourite movie. Could be favorite movie. Singing in the Rain, well, it could be. Well, no, no I mean, we should... Um, I, people ask me, you know, what's your favourite music? What's your favourite film? And I, ne I never have an answer. It's um, it's hard. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't think about it. if I come back to that one at the end and see if I can remember the name of the the documentary because it is it is brilliant if you've never seen it. Yeah. So we've got the the sports story that you just love to be told that hasn't been yet. Sports story that I'd love to be told. Um, tough one to be fair. It is a tough one, isn't it? I'm very good at multiple choice most of the times. Uh, I don't know. Come back. I'll come back to that one. Let me have a think. <laughs> Someone in the industry that you'd love to work with? Um, Tom McDonald at the BBC. Okay. He's one of the the main commissioning editors there. Mm. So before we before we finish up with the final one, Richard, have you got a, have you got an answer for the uh, the earlier one yet? Uh, what my favourite film? Yeah. Did you mean Boyhood? No, no. Uh, so that was I, filmed I, over many I, years. I, I remember it? it now. So, so my favourite documentary is called Searching for Sugar Man. Oh, okay. L look it up. It, it is. It, I mean, it is one of those stories that you think, is this actually real? It, it, you know, and and it's so brilliantly done. It is. Um, it is amazing. 
And we've got a nice one to finish off with the film series, Richard. Leading a crew, sports documentary, sports film, whatever. What is the number one value for you leading a group of people on a film, on a film set? Uh, I can only have one. I'd say communication. Communication is, is key. Make sure that you are very clear with your, with your vision and your message because when you have a large... I mean, especially now... We, we're in a situation where there are people 10 meters from me who are on different Zoom calls because we're all kind of, you know, we're all having to sort of keep reasonably isolated. So, and things change very, very quickly. So it's, it's imperative that you uh, communicate well. I mean, I would also say just, just be nice because it's, it's a very nice, it's a very hard job and you need to be able to enjoy it at the end of the day. And so um, that, that goes a long way. You haven't had any Tom Cruise blow-ups yet, then? <laughs> no, but I got his point. I, I got yeah. his point. I mean, yeah. um, mm. there's been one. There has been one or two moments, not not quite as as bad as Tom, but um, there's been one or two moments where uh, <clears throat> yeah, you need to give people a kick up the backside because again, it's a, it's a long period of time and people can can mm. get a little comfortable. But that, again, that's that's it's natural. Mm. Well, again, Richard, obviously, absolute pleasure. Um, thanks for joining us this evening. As um, ever, absolutely. All the best with the piece of work that you're on. All the very, all the, yeah, all the very best with the finishing. Yeah, finishing your current your current program. It sounds a fantastic one. Obviously, we're really excited to hear more about it. And when it when it's out and released upon the world, obviously, you have to come again. Make take the lead. No one's got a third cap yet on HTO, so you have to come and take the lead and tell tell yeah. um, all the listeners about your, your you get show, you get but, uh, you yeah, get HTO you get HTO football for a third appearance. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. Um, but, well, yeah, thank you very much. Pleasure. I'll let you know when the trailer's out. Yeah, hot man. Okay, thanks. Have a nice man. evening. Yeah, Tom and Richard, appreciate it. Another fantastic chat there. Um, what a way to wrap up the series. Richard's always uh, really fascinating to have on. He always goes into the technical detail, but I love that because, you know, he doesn't we, we get to get in the weeds sometimes. It's quite interesting, isn't it? Yeah, you can tell he really likes the storytelling element. I love that um, because films, that's what a film is, I suppose, in, a, in, a, in its simplest form, you know. And, um, yeah, it's been and, and just a really enjoyable series. And thanks, for, obviously, for James for jumping on some cracking questions again. Just to say, for students out there, we are going to continue to make sure um, lots of student opportunities are on the podcast, uh, making sure you can come on, interview guests, sort of do write-ups with articles beyond the sort of the panels and the masterclasses we're going to do. So, yeah, really keen that we make sure we're creating lots of opportunities for sports media professionals as we interview sports media professionals. That's what we're, we're keen to do. And um, we did, though, throw out another um, extra time uh, tweet and question for, for listeners, viewers and social media people. What was the question, Andrew? So we were asking what is the best football, England football song of all time? Um, and we and had a simple, right. simple, simple polling system, uh, three lines uh, and world in motion. I mean, you could put another in the comments, but I mean, it's got to be out of those two, surely. And Tom, what, what was the result? Result was quite quite emphatically not not ridiculous. It wasn't like a nine nil thrashing of of late. Um, sorry, Southampton fans, um, but it was quite comprehensive in that three lions was beating World in Motion, and you know look, 
for me and, and probably for you as well, Andrew, like in our childhood, free lines was huge. It was that we were that perfect age, Euro 96, you know, completely fooled the country. But World in Motion is also a banger. It's such a great song. So you've got two fantastic songs there. Were there a couple of other suggestions? Were funny? What other you know, ones have stuck out in, in mind's eye years gone by? Had, I think others have been very gimmicky, haven't they? You've had songs like Vindaloo and, you know, On the Ball and all that kind. Whereas those two were actually just great songs, weren't they? Yeah, to be fair, I loved on the ball when it came when it when it when that Van and Deck and that dropped. Um, we've got move, 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 red yeah. tribe. Um, the match nice. of the day theme tune. Someone put someone put in the match of the day theme tune. <laughs> you can't you can't move from that really as a football. It's an iconic song. Um, but no, free lines was the selection um, from listeners, and you can't really go far wrong. So on the next pod, there'll be another extra time debate. So make sure you get your votes in and listen yeah. to HTO. Follow us on all the socials, as ever, HGO Football, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, the works, lots of work, but we love doing it, so keep listening and stay tuned.